Right now on Truth Today, we're going to be discussing a very, very important subject. Can Christians be demon-possessed? Also, we're going to be talking about deliverance, the movement of deliverance in the church today, how it's being handled properly and improperly, the do's and don'ts. We're going to be talking about the moral battle that continues to rage in America. Again, as I've said time and time again, we are being divided. We are a tale of two nations now. It's light and dark, and we're going to be discussing that and much more right now on Truth Today. Well, good morning on the West Coast. Good afternoon on the East Coast. This is Pastor Sharam Hadian welcoming you on Truth Today. We're so glad you can be with us, and uh, thank you for uh, supporting uh, not only Truth and Love Ministry, but this program. Uh, we believe that this is an important uh, program, important ministry in these last days to be able to equip uh, the body of Christ to continue to proclaim the name that is above every other name, the name that is Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, the only name that can save. And uh, we're, we're so grateful that you support us. Uh, very quickly, just to get some business out of the way, please visit our website, tilministry.com, tilministry.com. we got a lot of new content. We have our new DVD up there. Um, also, uh, I'll be telling you in just about a minute about our new podcast. But please subscribe to our email list. Also, our Rumble page. Again, uh, it's critical that you help us rebuild our um, online presence with our Rumble page, rumble.com slash Sharam Hadian, rumble.com slash Sharam Hadian. Please subscribe if you have not and share the link with those you know because that's how we're going to get our views and get the message out uh, the more that it's shared. Also, we are, of course, live streaming to two platforms, our website and Rumble. So we're grateful that we can go to both of these platforms and um, folks are watching us there. Two other things, our text alert. If you're not getting our text alerts, here's the information for our text alert. Uh, just text the word JOIN, J-O-I-N, to this number, 689-888-7884 or 689-TT-TRUTH. That's for truth today, truth. And just push send and you'll be uh, subscribed to our text alert. Again, it doesn't cost you anything. It costs us, but it doesn't cost you anything. And then finally, we have our new um, podcast. And so uh, we'll, we'll actually, we'll get that up later in the show. Uh, we have information about our brand new podcast that we're doing on the program. Uh, we have those on now, I think on like um, Amazon Music and Spotify and a whole bunch of other things. So we'll get that up later when we do the break and we'll give you some information. We're gonna get into the program um, today. We have a, listen, this is a heavily loaded scripture program uh, because we're going to be t uh, discussing a topic um, that I actually uh, didn't necessarily wanna discuss today, but um, the timing of it is important. Um, what's happening is important. So it really, just the, I just felt the Holy Spirit impress this upon my heart. I briefly mentioned this in my message Sunday at Patriot Church here in Knoxville, Tennessee, about uh, this subject of um, demonic possession, oppression, deliverance, all these things. Uh, a lot of Christians are confused about this, and unfortunately, a lot of Christian pastors are a part of the problem. They're, they're part of the confusion, whether they know it or not. 
So we need to really bring correction. And that's what this ministry is about. We're, we are going to speak the truth in love. We're going to equip the body. We are um, here to prepare the body to be the fivefold ministry in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. We want people to understand. So let's get into this. We're going to um, start by uh, getting into the Bible and the Word of God as always. That's where we always start. It's our foundation. Everything must be grounded by the Word of God. And uh, I want to share with you that uh, what I have been saying is that I believe that what we're witnessing uh, in these, um, what appears to be revival in, in these different places is an outpouring of God's Spirit, right? So again, we've talked about this, that there is an outpouring, a, a, an end time outpouring of God's Spirit that is happening as prophesied by Scripture. So Joel chapter 2 was a precursor to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is a precursor to, to the book of Revelation, particularly from chapter 6 on, for the outpouring of God's Spirit in the last days and, and even during the tribulation period. This outpouring may lead to revival, may lead to revival, but, but it may also not. Revival... And that's why I taught on Sunday about the pattern of revival. We know we need revival, right? We, revival has to happen. We have to break through the darkness with the light of Christ. There has to be an awakening. But, and then the, 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 the desire and hunger that we have for the things of God uh, and His holiness, right? I've been saying all along, we have to see an outpouring of God's holiness, an outpouring of and revival of the fear of the Lord. Those are the things that I believe the Spirit is doing in the last days. But for that to happen, revival has to be long-lasting. It, it's not fleeting. In the Bible, revival led, led to reformation. There can be no reformation without revival, but there can be no revival without a, an, an outpouring, an awakening, and, a, and repentance. These things are patterns of God. And in the aspect of the outpouring of the Spirit, we know that the, 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 the Holy Spirit is going to manifest signs and wonders. In the last days, God pours out a Spirit in all flesh, um, dreams, visions, prophecies, uh, healings. Of course, salvation being absolutely critical uh, to that outpouring of the Spirit. Uh, signs and wonders in the heavens. But is deliverance a part of that outpouring? Well, yes, deliverance, when Jesus was upon the earth and as he walked and he ministered, Jesus uh, um, exercised a part of the authority that he had in deliverance. There was exercise of his authority in salvation. There was an exercise of his authority in correction, in challenging the religious um, zealots and, and the, the false religious spirit of the day, particularly in the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the church, right? So the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the Bible would be um, very much either those Christians today who are operating in a dead spirit, legalism, or licentiousness, where it's, they're, they're hypocrites. They say one thing to you, you do this, but they do something different, and it's licentiousness. It's full-on license to do whatever, even if it's against the Word of God. So Jesus was dealing with his authority and all those things. And of course, what's the last thing that he says? The Great Commission, right? 
that I'm sending you out into all the nations. Go therefore into all the nations, baptizing them and, and making disciples of all the nations. So we have to make disciples of all the nations. We have to make disciples in the church. The number one goal of the church, number one, I should say goal, it's the mission of the church is to proclaim the name of Christ and as people come to salvation, as they, as they have that first revival, which is the salvation, then that begins the process of discipleship. Now, in the process of discipleship, we have to clean house. And what I mean by that is the Bible says that once the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes. And as the Holy Spirit comes within us, then now there's a process of cleaning house. The Holy Spirit takes residence if you are now a believer. And once he takes residence and occupies, now there's a process of cleaning house. Cleaning the inside, that's the spirit, man, that's the, that's the soul and the spirit, and then cleaning the outside, that's the flesh. And of course we know that our flesh constantly is wanting to do battle with what's inside the spirit. And that's the battle that rages on internally, right? So we're constantly every day as believers fighting this battle. So deliverance is a loaded word. And so let's look at the scriptures a little bit because is deliverance a part of the, the ministry of Jesus? Absolutely. We know that it is because uh, there, there, there are multiple examples where as Jesus went, for example, here we have in Matthew um, chapter, let me see here, um, 9. Okay, so this is in Matthew chapter 9, and it says, this is verse 32 and 33. Okay, so remember, I'm jumping around a lot. We're going to have a lot of verses, so please pay attention or take notes. Matthew 9, 32, 33. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon's demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And the multitudes marveled, saying it was never seen like this, this in Israel. So here we have that uh, Jesus and his followers are going, and as they encounter a man, like the scripture is clearly telling us here, that this man was demon-possessed. Here we have the word, possession, occupation. So this language is very important uh, to understand. Uh, if you do a search... Uh, I, I encourage you that uh, to look at the original language, to do a search of the original language, meaning that if we look at, in this case, the Greek and the lexicon, um, I, I'm going to this verse here very quickly. And here it says, um, sorry, one second here. I'm just looking again for my verse. That was um, 32, right? Verse 32. So if you go to verse 32 and you look up the actual Greek original, this is very important for us to understand. What is the word possessed? Okay? What is the word possessed in the Greek? This word there is a word that is uh, where we're getting the word demonization. Uh, do we have that image? I thought we made an image for that or not. Yeah. 
so what is demonization, okay, or being demonized? Today, we are having Christians who are doing ministry or deliverance, right? Because deliverance ministry is growing, and to some extent, that is to be expected because if there's going to be an outpouring of God's Spirit, there's going to be an increase in the manifestation of the demonic because the days are getting darker, right? So as the days get darker, Satan's time is short. We've covered this before. There's a manifestation, greater, greater manifestation of the demonic. At the same time, greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit over here, and these two are warring. So when the Spirit of God comes into contact with the demonic, we must, in the name of Jesus and by the authority of Jesus, resist and come against that spirit. So this uh, language here for being possessed, okay? So clearly the scripture itself tells us this man was demon-possessed. It is the word demonizome. It's where we get the word demonized. And it is fully under the power of a demon or a fallen angel, okay? So you're talking about somebody that is absolutely 100% under the power or control of a demon, okay? Clearly, this uh, reference is not of somebody who is a believer, spirit-filled, okay? Let's look at a, another example um, in Matthew 12. Do I have this one up here? Let me just uh, look at this one here, Matthew 12. In this context now, there was again, let's go to the New King James, then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed. Same language there, same demonized word uh, in the Greek as we just looked up. Again, the word daimon nizome, where we get the word demonized, um, that properly being someone, again, who is fully possessed or controlled. That's the key, right? It's control. Uh, going back to here to the verse, uh, this man was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that the blind and mute man spoke and saw. So there is a, again, an a manifestation of supernatural power from God in coming against a supernatural power from the demonic, right? So this is the encounter, the head-to-head. -head. This is to be expected. I have been, I have, I, I have encountered demons in people. I have been both here in the States and on mission trips. We were on a mission trip uh, one time to Cuba where we encountered a witch doctor. This woman kept coming uh, outside uh, the doors of our meeting uh, for not just a few minutes, but for several days. We were meeting at one place, and she kept coming out. And we had two of our um, team, one of them who was also a pastor, went out to confront her while we were in the meeting speaking. And by the time that I was aware of what was going on, um, there was now an encounter because this woman was hearing the gospel, right? We were preaching for the days that we were there. We were proclaiming the word of God. We were lifting up the name that is above every name, being the authority of Jesus. Every unclean spirit must flee in Jesus' name. And we were obviously actually proclaiming the gospel. Here's what you need to do to be saved. So what was happening was that the, the, the internal uh, uh, aspect of this woman was hearing 
this message of the truth, it was piercing her. She wanted to receive, but yet every time, so what was conveyed to me, and then later I went and saw this, what was conveyed to me was that when they were speaking to her and sharing the gospel, she was physically manifesting um, this demonic spirit. It was fighting her because they were telling her, you must bow a knee to Jesus Christ alone, not any other idols or false uh, gods or any other unclean spirit. And they said, do you want to? She said, yes, now bow a knee to Jesus. And every time she'd go bow a knee, it was like they were, this is what was described to me firsthand. It was like somebody was pulling on her hair would not allowing her. So we have an actual manifestation. Now, is this person safe? Of course not. They are an unbeliever. They are outside the family of God. And finally, this encounter kept going and going and going and going until she finally was, because the team began to directly speak to the demon. And, and again, if you think that's unbiblical, let me give you an example of that where, um, uh, Jesus is directly, um, let me see here, speaking. And again, I have a lot of verses here, so just bear with me here. Um, for example, in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, we have in verse 33 to 35, Jesus is directly now confronting. So he says, Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, Let, let us alone. This is the demon manifesting. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So here we have a demon that is testifying that Jesus is the Holy One of God, is the Son of God. But now Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. So here we have a direct encounter between Jesus and the demon, not just the individual who's being possessed, but now the demon that is inside. And in the name of Jesus, the demon is being cast out. So this is what the, our, our team did. They encountered this. Finally, when this demon came out, she actually fell to her knees. Now this is, and I, and I, I haven't physically seen this, but I've heard a lot of testimonies of this that I believe could be you know, manifestation because, again, we're seeing different manifestations. In this case, the woman threw up. She actually vomited after uh, physically it, it was clear that now this demon had left her. Of course, they didn't see the demon leave her, but they saw her, her countenance change. She actually bowed a knee, and as she once she threw up, then she bowed a knee. She confessed the name of Jesus Christ and got saved. And very quickly, they were able to bring her in and begin to disciple her. And the testimony of that, a witch doctor coming to Christ, and this is just one example, coming to Christ was powerful and a testimony and brought others to the Lord in that community. So there are multiple examples where Jesus confronts um, uh, demons directly. Directly. Here we have, let me go to one more, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 27, okay? And here we have this demon that um, uh, Jesus stepped out of the land, met a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. 
When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, what, what have you to do with us, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man Jesus had. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And the demon says, legion, for many demons have entered him. So it's not just one now, we can have multiple demons. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. That gives you a clue of where, where we can pray specifically that when we are actually doing this warfare, we have to pray in Jesus' name that if there is a demon, you must come out in Jesus' name and then go to the abyss. That is biblical. Now a large herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside and they begged him to let them enter those. So he gave them permission and the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Of course, the town was not very happy with Jesus that all these pigs died. But this is an example where, again, there's a direct confrontation. So is it biblical for there to be a direct confrontation and for Christians to confront the demons in unbelievers? The absolute the answer is yes. The question is, this morning, can this word demonization, that is the Greek of the word possessed, be applied to a born-again Christian? Now, why am I even bringing this up? Well, I was sharing Sunday that I myself was in Texas ministering at a revival meeting, and somebody came up, a gal came up that said, yeah, they're seeing amazing things in deliverance ministry. Now, I would look at deliverance ministry as not the church, but a function of the church, and I would see deliverance ministry as even uh, some groups do it as a parachurch. The, the number one function of the church is Matthew chapter 28, right? We are called, and I'm going to read it for you so I get it absolutely correct here. We are called to the fulfilling of the Great Commission. As he's departing, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen and amen. So we are called to go into the nations, proclaiming the name that is above every other name, to make disciples. And then to take those disciples, baptize them, set them apart, and teach them the word of God. Teach them the commands and build them up. Now, within that, Christians, meaning you're now born again, you're now indwelt with the Spirit. And by the way, let me, let me, I'm going to cover that in a minute because this is an important paradigm of what, what does the Bible then say happens to us when we are born again. So let, let, let me go back to this question. I think we have an image, Jariah. Can, so here's the question at hand, just if you're jumping on late or something like that. Can Christians be possessed or oppressed? So can a Christian be oppressed? Meaning, can a Christian be attacked, attacked by the Spirit? And the answer is yes. 
For example, we see this, let, let me get to, um, well, first of all, I believe that Saul, Saul in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 16, 1 Samuel 16, 18 and 19. We know the scripture tells us that because of Saul's disobedience, the spirit of the Lord departed. The spirit of the Lord was grieved. And as the spirit of the Lord departed, a tormenting spirit came and attacked him. Now, some would say that was possession. Some would say that was oppression. The question was, is Saul in the Lord or not? Was he saved or not? But there was an attack that certainly it was an attack. It was a tormenting spirit. It was troubling him and it affected his, it caused depression, uh, anxiety. Um, it caused him to be delusional in the sense of his view of what, uh, what David's heart was. Then we know that uh, a unclean spirit can lead Christians, for example, in 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11, that uh, that bitter root, maybe it's anger, you've been hurt, you've been traumatized, that bitter root can cause a Christian to then not forgive, and unforgiveness can be a door to uh, an unclean spirit. You're opening a door, a window, to an unclean spirit. Um, in, in the case of Judas, in John chapter 12, we are told that, um, uh, that Judas had opened his heart by uh, stealing from the, from, from the Lord. This is in, June, uh, in John chapter 12, verse 6, because he was responsible for the money with the disciples he stole. And then um, this, the spirit entered him. The question with Judas, of course, and it's been the perpetual question is, was he ever saved? Was Judas a believer or not? And we have no definitive answer to that because he betrayed the Lord. We know that he committed suicide. Um, and we know that that he was, you know, in my opinion, he was never with the Lord. He was never with the Lord. He was a plant. He was a wolf in sheep's clothing. Here we have, um, again, the aspect of idols. False gods and idols can then bring um, demonic oppression. I think we have an image of that, don't we, Jariah? Um, we have... Here in Leviticus 17, false gods and idol worship, where the Israelites got into that idol worship. The image is there. You have it. I see it there, son. Go down to the left. It's, it says the false gods and idols right there. Um, so we have it there. And so this idea that you open the door to anything that is a false spirit, um, False sacrificing, they sacrificed to demons in Psalm 106. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. 1 Corinthians 10, pagan sacrifice. So anytime that we open ourselves up to anything, any false religion, false spirituality, any of those things can open the door to demons attacking. But we're not talking today just about attacking. 
We are talking today about possession, okay? Because again, Christians can be um, harassed. Definitely, I believe that is possible. But the question is, can they be possessed? So let's take a step back. What happens when a Christian becomes a Christian? What happens when you are born again? Well, the Bible tells us that the moment you are born again, the Spirit of the living God comes to indwell. So we're going to look at a couple of passages here. First, we have Romans chapter 8, verse 9 through 11. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 through 11. Again, in the New King James. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone that does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So here we have the word dwell once, uh, twice, three times. The word dwell in this context, again, we're going to look this up because I want you to understand the original um, language, okay? So we're going to go Romans chapter 8. If you have a, uh, a Bible, by the way, I use biblehub.com, biblehub, H-U-B.com, great source, look up a passage, and then look up the lexicon or look up the Greek or the Hebrew. And it actually can go to the original. You can look at the roots of the word, how many times it's used. So let's look at this again. We're looking at verse 9 through 11, right? So we're going to go Romans 8 verse 9, and we're going to look at this word dwell, okay, in the original language. So we're doing a little bit of Bible study together. And so the word dwell is this word in the Greek, oikio, oikio. It means to inhabit a house, dwelling, habitation, a house, properly to make it home. So if the Spirit of God is coming in you to make you the, now the house of the Lord, or the Bible says what? What does the Bible say about this? Here we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in verse 16. 1 Corinthians 3, do you not know that you are the, come on folks, the temple of God and that the Spirit of God, oikio, dwells in you. So what are we? We are the temple now of the Holy Spirit, right? As the temple of the Holy Spirit, and I think we have an image for that as well, as the temple of the Holy Spirit, we are, and this is the imagery, I, I like this imagery that Jariah put together. In the Old Testament, it was the Ark of the Covenant, right? The Ark with the cherubim there. Keep the picture up for a second, please, Jariah. You see that the Ark, that, that the Bible tells us the Spirit of God dwelt or was present above those two cherubims you see in the picture. And that the Word of God was then, the Ten Commandments was in the Ark of the Covenant. Well, now, guess what? Guess what? What are we? We are that ark. We are that temple, right? The Spirit of God dwells in us in habitation, oikio. It's the house. He's come into the inner house. And the Word of God, then, it should be in our knowledge, in our mind, in our hearts. 
and we then represent God as both spirit and truth. So Holy Spirit in us, the Word of God in us, spirit and truth. That's what Jesus is, right? Spirit and truth. And in spirit and truth, we worship God in spirit and truth. That is the representation of now the temple. We are the temple. So here is the fundamental question. Let's go back to that image for a second, please, Joya. Christians possessed or oppressed? Does it matter? Can we be flippant about it? No. We cannot be flippant about this language. So let me say this again. And, and, and I'm not in any way, folks, trying to attack any particular ministry. I think deliverance ministry is important. I think it is absolutely a part of the outpouring of God's Spirit in the last days. I'm not denying that. We know Jesus, again, I've shown you already, we know Jesus directly encountered demons. We know as part of his ministry, he would cast out demons. So exercising that authority by Jesus' power and name. It's not in us, right? It's not us. That when we encounter somebody that would manifest demon activity, um, you go, well, Sharon, what's demon activity? Okay, let me give you some different... Um, Examples of that, okay? De demonic activity. Um, we have, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, there's a list here that I have. We have um, depression, aggression, supernatural strength, immodesty in the sense of the naked uh, man. Um, obviously, there was an example here of, of a young girl in the book of Acts that had supernatural knowledge. She had knowledge that was beyond her years, and that was not of the Spirit. So again, if you have that knowledge, can Satan give you limited knowledge? Yes, he can. Remember, Satan's a counterfeit. So God gives you knowledge through the Holy Spirit. Satan has some knowledge, not all, because he's not God. And so can he expand that knowledge? Yes, he can. So we have different attributes of demonic possession. And that demonic possession must be dealt with accordingly. When you deal with someone that you believe is demon-possessed, and if you see clearly signs of possession, you then must conclude that that person is not born again, is not saved. Whew. How do we distinguish? How do we discern? Well, the discernment is in the testimony. The demon inside, remember, just by asking somebody, do you believe in Jesus? And saying, that's a litmus test. No. The, I, I, just, I read you examples. The demons said, we recognize Jesus of Nazareth. You're the Holy One of God. You're the Son of God. So demons can recognize and, 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 and say, yes, this is Jesus. They can testify. The question is, are they surrendered? You have to test the spirits. Do they manifest signs of being born again? Because you cannot be possessed, demonized. Again, what is the word demonized? We covered this earlier. If you missed it, one more time. The word demonized 
is the word for possession. Demonization is possession. They are, you cannot use the word, and, and, and I know, again, I was going back to the encounter, I'm sorry I'm jumping all over the place today, because this, this is really heavy. But I was going back to this gal that I encountered, and she said, yes, uh, I, I'm part of Deliverance Ministry, and we are seeing so many incredible things, we're seeing people set free, I'm like, praise God, hallelujah. And then she said, yes, and we've been casting out demons out of believers in Jesus' name. And I said, hold on, time out, what? You've been casting out demons out of believers, casting out? Are you talking about you've been breaking the power of because that Christian may be being attacked by a demon, maybe being influenced by a demon? No, no, no. They were, they, were, they were possessed. And the person went on to say, well, we don't like to use the word possessed. We use the word demonized. It doesn't make a difference. Because in the Greek, I just showed you, that's the same word for possession. So you cannot use the word demonization and say that you're dealing with an unbeliever. There's nowhere in scripture that definitively shows us that any person that is indwelt with the Holy Spirit, because again, what's the word dwelling? To be indwelt means what? You are occupied. Say, uh, Holy Spirit has come into the house. This is the house of God, the internal, the inner man. He's come into the inner man, and now he has taken residence. You've given him authority to take residence. The Holy Spirit of God can never coexist with a demon. Never. Ever. You cannot have two people occupying the same house. What about the parable that Jesus gave the story of, of the fact that if you remove, you know, to remove a demon and, and the clean house, an unclean house, but if you don't fill it with the Spirit of God, the demons come back stronger seven times, 70 times, uh, 700 times, 7,000 times. We don't know. They come back stronger because you didn't fill. You can't clean house in somebody that is possessed and not fill it with the Holy Spirit because once you fill it with the Holy Spirit, now, once you fill it with the Holy Spirit, the person can then be a lukewarm Christian. The person can then be carnal in their Christianity. The question is, and, and they can grieve the Spirit, just like I think with the story of Saul in the Old Testament. Saul absolutely grieved the Spirit. The Spirit says, okay, you want to not follow me and be obedient, then there's going to be an unclean spirit that's going to come and torment you. Can Satan torment us? As Christians, absolutely. If we don't fight the spiritual war, if we don't fight the spiritual battle, absolutely Satan can torment us. A demon can attack us, can manipulate and screw with us and lie to us, to our, especially to our flesh, because what's going on? You have now opened a door. You've now opened a window to the house. But it doesn't mean that that demon has come in and fully taken over and occupied. And that's what the word possession means. Possession means in total control. Demonization means in total control. And so believers cannot, cannot. So why am I saying this? Well, we have movies coming out soon about deliverance ministries. And my goal here is not to criticize because I haven't seen those movies or talked, but based on who's people who've talked to me, 
here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm hearing. I'm having Christians come to me and saying, we are confused because I feel I need some deliverance in my life. Okay, listen, listen, listen to what I'm saying, please. Hear me out. I need some deliverance in my life. Maybe I have some generational sins that I know are affecting me. Remember that the enemy can uh, torment or attack us because of generational sins. The sins of the father can be passed to the third and fourth generation. So when we become a believer, it's very important that you, in prayer with the Holy Spirit and with other Christians, go before the Lord and say, Lord, if there's any generational sins in my life, my my mom, my dad, my grandfather, my grandmother, my great-grandfather, great-grandmother, uncle, whoever, anybody in your family line, Lord, if there is any generational sins, curses, demons, um, we, we had it back in Spokane, Washington. We had a guy in our church, a brother in the Lord, and he was being tormented. Every night, the spirit would come into his room and attack him. Uh, he, he would feel uh, um, having a hard time breathing. Uh, he would wake up. Uh, he would be afraid. This was a attack, not possession, because he had testimony that he loved the Lord, that he was a believer. He had evidence, testimony. He wasn't manifesting demons, but he was being attacked. And so as we dug deep, we found out that in his family line was the Masonic. One of his grandfather or uncle or somebody, I can't remember now, was a 32nd degree Mason. That's demonic. That's idolatry and false gods. So then once we, once we had him denounce that and break the power of that in Jesus' name, guess what? Freedom. So this, I've had Christians come to me saying, look, we may have generational sins. I have unforgiveness. Um, I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with lust, addiction. I feel like there's an unclean spirit there. I need deliverance from that. So the word deliverance in this case is to be delivered from that spirit. Okay, that's biblical. That's biblical. Can there be deliverance in the, again, in an unbeliever? I've shown you passage after passage, yes. An unbeliever that comes into the midst of the body of Christ, any Christian, and is hearing the word of God and is receiving that word and it wants to, but now there's a demon fighting them and, and now we gotta deal with that demon. Can we say come out of that person in Jesus' name? Absolutely, that's biblical, we just showed it. But those who are doing deliverance ministry, Here's the warning to you, if you have ears to hear. And if you don't have ears to hear, woe to you. Because somebody better be able to speak into your life, brothers and sisters in Christ. Because this is causing confusion. I have too many Christians coming to me saying, I don't understand deliverance because I'm hearing about deliverance, 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 deliverance. And I'm seeing that they're saying, well, as a Christian, you need to be delivered from demons. What does that mean? And as a Christian, you're being demonized. What does that mean? And as a Christian, you're being possessed. What does that mean? I thought we can't be possessed. You see, it's causing confusion. So being flippant about, well, possessed, oppressed, doesn't really matter. No, absolutely matters. Absolutely matters. And so I'm putting folks on notice. I'm putting Christians on notice. Don't play games with this. Don't play games with the word of God. We do not evaluate based on 
fruit or based on any ministry. We evaluate based on the Word of God. The Word of God is telling us that no Christian can be possessed or demonized. Demonization is total control. You are contradicting the essence of the Word of God because the greatest gift that we get besides Jesus Himself and the Father is the gift of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to indwell. Now, can a Christian lose salvation? That's a different argument and a different discussion for a different day. But can a Christian be, one more time dry out for that image, can a Christian be possessed? And the answer is no, never. If they are a true, born-again, blood-bought Christian, stop using the word possessed and stop using the word demonization or demonized. You are being unbiblical. You are going against the Word of God. You are going against the very nature of God. The Holy Spirit does not... Listen, what does... Paul says in Corinthians, what does light have to do with darkness? What does Jesus have to do with Belial? What does righteousness have to do with unrighteousness? You cannot have dual occupation. You cannot have the Holy Spirit indwelling in the house. Now, can the demon attack the outer house? Can the demon attack the flesh? Absolutely. Influence, oppression, attack, um, torment, um, annoyance, all of those things, yes, possible. But possession, no, never. So even if ministries are doing incredible work by the Holy Spirit, we must correct these ministries if Listen, we're all subject to be doing good work and then overstep the boundary, right? This is not a judgment saying we throw out the baby with the bathwater. We're not saying completely reject those ministries. I'm saying we must correct those ministries. Just like I tried to correct this young lady in Texas. I said, young lady, I, I commend your heart for deliverance ministry. I commend your heart to set the captives free in Jesus' name. But... You are in error. Now, she didn't receive me at that time, and so I don't know what happened. But you are in error. If you are telling a born-again Christian that they have demonic possession in them, and they must be set free from demonic possession. If we're going to receive this great, beautiful outpouring of God's Spirit, if we're going to see Christians set free, then let's do it according to the Word of God. Let's do it according to the patterns and order of God because God is orderly. I don't care if you're a small ministry or a big ministry, local or national or international, every single one of us is subject to this word. So, folks, this is imperative. And we, you know, we have a, we have a huge movie coming out next week on the subject uh, come out in Jesus name we have other ministries that are doing this I haven't seen the movie all I'm saying is ahead of time I'm giving you a warning ahead of time have discernment if you're going to watch these things looks like I haven't seen Jesus revolution I've heard great things I'm going to watch it and I will watch those movies because I want to rightly judge 
what is being said by the words and by the actions and by what's actually being done, not by what I hear. But based on, I'm going based on what Christians are asking me, telling me, what's being told of them, the confusion that it is causing. And any kind of flippant behavior with this is not the right spirit, is not the right spirit. We cannot be flippant with this, brothers and sisters in Christ, because you're being flippant with God. And woe to anybody that is ministering on behalf of God and then turns around and becomes flippant to God. We must walk in humility. We must walk in accountability and we must walk in correction. All of us. None of us are above that reproach. None of us. I am nobody. I am only speaking these words today. I believe by the authority of the scriptures that I've shown you and by the spirit of the living God. If you testify to what I'm sharing you, praise God, hallelujah. If you don't, then you don't. But I pray that none of us are ever above reproach. I pray that none of us ever are in a place where we have no accountability, where no one can speak into our lives. There is no such thing as demon possession. Let me just finish today with a couple of headlines. Um, Moving on, we talked about America being a tale of two nations. Listen, listen, there's a battle raging. There's a battle raging. America is now a tale of two nations. Why? Why are we a tale of two nations? Because there is a moral battle that is raging in our nation. This moral battle that is raging in our nation is about righteousness. I think we have an image of that too, Drya. The moral battle that rages. No, no, not that one. There we go. This is a battle, folks, because the Bible tells us we do not war against uh, flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. We are seeing a divided nation. We are seeing a nation that is going in two different ways. Let me start with positive. First headline, Tennessee. Do we have that headline, Dryad, Tennessee? Tennessee becomes the first state in the nation. Tennessee governor signs the law protecting minors from drag shows and gender transition. Uh, First of all, Senate Bill 3 prohibits adult cabaret performance on number one, public property. That's huge. And two, in a location where the adult cabaret performance can be viewed by a person who is not an adult, anybody under the age of 18. If such performance includes male or female impersonators to provide entertainment that appeals to a prurient interest, commonly known as drag performance. It classifies a first offense as a class A misdemeanor, up to 11 months, 29 days in prison, $2,500 fine, please come back to me, Drya, and a second offense as class E felony, up to six years in prison, and a $3,000 fine. Also sponsored by the Senate Majority Leaders. So this is the first of its kind in the nation. Because of pressure, prayer, intercession, Tennessee is moving in a direction of righteousness. Tennessee became one of the 13 states that completely outlawed abortion last year. Now we're fighting the rhinos in the uh, legislature who are wanting to open doors and cracks and put exceptions to the, uh, to the, uh, to the law that was enacted to protect life, the Human Life Protection Act. Now they want to open the doors. Let's have exceptions for this and this and this. We're fighting that. 
We're not going to stand by and have them undo. So this is a move that also at the same time, uh, Senate Bill uh, 1 forbids healthcare professionals established facility from surgically removing, modifying, altering, or entering into tissue, cavities, or organs of a minor or prescribing, administering, or dispensing any drug or device to a minor for the purpose of one, enabling a minor to identify with or live as a purported identity inconsistent with the minor's sex. Great language here, folks. This is great language. And two, treating purported discomfort or distress from a dis discordance between the minor's sex and asserted identity. Meaning, if you have minors that are simply just struggling with gender dysphoria or confusion, that is not grounds for them to have any physical treatment or operation. This goes into effect July 1st of this coming year. This is huge. This is huge. Um, so Tennessee is moving in a direction towards sanity, towards righteousness, towards honoring family and children and protecting life. This is common sense governance. Now, should we need it? No, we shouldn't need it, right? We shouldn't have to have this kind of legislation because nowhere in a sane world would drag queens performing sexual perverse material, as we've shown you before, to children be accepted, except in a sick nation and in a sick world. We are a sick and broken and dying world. Nowhere would that be accepted. But because of what's, what we're dealing with, now we have to deal with this. Let's go to another one, Iowa. Iowa legislators aim to make the so-called Respect for Marriage Act null and void. This is beautiful. This is exactly what states need to do. Exercise the 10th Amendment rights to make federal laws that are unconstitutional null and void. Because there, I said it when the, when the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, remember I called it at the time, the Rebellion to God Act, I said they're going to try to force it upon states that protect marriage between one man and one woman. And now we have courageous legislators in Iowa. By the way, and they're doing this because of the, uh, the, 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 the cowardice of Senator Joni Ernst, a Republican from Iowa, who was one of the 12 Republicans, remember, who voted for the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. So now the Republicans in the legislature want to pass this uh, amendment, which is going to take time because they're going to have to do it, do it as a, in one session, then the next year's session, and then put it to the state, uh, to the voters for a statewide referendum. So the earliest it'll happen is in 2025. But they're moving in a direction of saying, no, we're going to use the 10th Amendment to null and void any federal legislation that seeks to uh, force this uh, so-called same-sex marriage on us and to protect. Uh, I, I love this. Look at this. Here's the language um, of this legislation. In accordance with the laws of nature and nature's God, the state of Ottawa recognizes the definition of marriage to be the solemnized union between one human biological male and one human biological female. Love it. Beautiful. Beautiful language. The very laws of nature and nature's God, that's a declaration of independence. The very definition of one biological male and biological female. Beautiful. Beautiful. And it goes on to say the sponsor of this bill, Brad Sherman, definition of marriage was defined as being between male and female for 5,000 years of world history. Marriage has been defined as a model of Christ and the church for 2,000 years 
he wrote to his constituents. Praise God. So we have states and legislators that are moving into this direction. I just spoke with a friend of mine in, in Idaho. I'm going to be visiting their state capitol uh, March 20th. My friend, legislator Heather Scott out there, Christian, godly, uh, courageous legislator. She said that they have now seen a new slew of Christian conservative legislators elected. And they're pushing hard to keep Idaho righteous. Not just red, righteous. Tennessee, righteous. Texas, red, righteous. Oklahoma, righteous. Iowa, righteous. But at the same time, what is Minnesota doing? Insanity. What is Washington doing? Insanity. What is, look, look at this headline from California. Do you have that last headline, Jariah? Look at this insanity, not surprised, from Gavin Newsom. California Governor Newsom won't now do business with Walgreens since they refused to sell abortion pills. Now, from this headline, you would think, oh, my goodness, Walgreens has come out and said we will not sell the abortion, the morning after pill um, that is mifepristone. I have a hard time saying it. This is the so-called morning after pill. Um, we won't sell it. No, no, no. Here's the crazy thing of it. Walgreens sells the abortion pill in the Walgreens in California. They're not stopping doing that. They just said, look, in the 20 other states that have now codified uh, abortion as criminal, like Tennessee, right? This is one of the things we were fighting, that we were, we, we were putting pressure on the legislature to, to come against these uh, CVS, Walgreens, whatever, whoever, Costco, any of these uh, outlets that their pharmacies were going to sell because if abortion has been outlawed, abortion has been outlawed, including morning after pill. So now Walgreens said, yeah, in those 20 states, we're not going to sell because it's, it's illegal. And instead of Gavin Newsom honoring states' rights, no, he is now going to boycott Walgreens, even though Walgreens is selling it in their state. And Gavin Newsom comes out and criticizes Tennessee for uh, coming against drag queens for ch against children uh, and coming against gender uh, neutering surgery and criticizes Bill Lee. How about you repent, Gavin Newsom? How about you step down? How about you get arrested, Gavin Newsom, because you're a criminal. You're a demonic criminal. And now you're going to boycott Walgreens because they're actually following the law in those other states? Listen, we are, one more time, dry this image, we are a tale of two nations, folks. I keep telling you this. this is, our nation is not coming together. We're not becoming more united. We're becoming more divided. God is dividing. It's a godly division. I've said it over and over and over again. It's a godly division. It is what is necessary in these last days. The wheat from the tares, the sheep from the goats, it's what's necessary. It's what's got to happen. Please share this program today. Please go to our Rumble once uh, my son uploads it. Here's our Rumble again, rumble.com slash Ramhadian, rumble.com slash Ramhadian. Please get this out to people and let them hear it. Let them weigh the evidence. Let them look at what's going on. Subscribe to our Rumble page. And again, if you want to get our uh, information, we just started our podcast. This is our podcast here, folks, because I know some people have a hard time watching the video. So all you got to do is go to, we have, uh, what, uh, Podbean, Samsung, iHeart, 
Spotify, Amazon Music. Um, go to and search Truth Today. You see on the screen there with Sharam Hadian. Truth Today with Sharam Hadian. And then subscribe to the podcast because if you subscribe on any of those platforms, then when we upload and all the podcast is is an MP3 of these shows. So you can watch the videos, but you can also listen to the shows or share the shows. Please help us get these messages out. Today's message is so important. We got to bring this correction to the body of Christ. We got to so that we don't pervert the good things that God is doing. Is deliverance good? Yes. Is deliverance ministry good? Yes. It's powerful. Now, I would argue it's not the main mission of the church because the main mission of the church is discipleship, but it's a necessary part of our discipleship and getting people set free. But we do not cast out demons out of believers. If there's a demon in there that came out, then that is not a believer. Use proper language. Use biblical language. Don't be flippant. All right, folks, I got to go. This is Pastor Sharam Hadian. We'll be back with you Thursday night live at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific for more of this truth-telling. If you enjoy these programs, please subscribe. Please donate. Please, would you consider a one-time donation till ministry.com donate? We need your support to keep things going. Our costs are going up. Everything has gone up, including internet, uh, texting, live stream, uh, email, everything. But it is important that we keep this going. Um, we're introducing new equipment again. Um, we're actively working on uh, the, the, the second camera situation, more lighting. We're, we're, just, we're doing everything we can with a limited budget to keep this going. And we pray that you are being blessed by these programs. But if you're blessed, would you pray for us? And if you're blessed, if you're able to, would you prayerfully consider a one-time donation or a monthly donation with our Gideon Army of 300. Check that out on our website. Pastor Sharam Hadian, we'll see you Thursday night. Lord bless you, Lord keep you, and may we be faithful to him to the very end until he comes. We'll see you on Thursday night.